I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Magic is real. It's contained within an app. Put your feet up and watch Peking Duck appear with just a tap. Download the Just Eat app and order food for delivery. Hey, I'm Alan McGuire and welcome to Jude Media. Um, Sarah and Ellen are both indisposed today, so we have a special guest co-host. It's you remember from the Titanic episode, Stacy Brown. Hello, State. everyone. Welcome Yay. to co-hosting, Judy's. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Yeah, albeit in a slightly different capacity. Yeah, so It'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, and our guest today is actor, comedian, <laughs> national treasure. Oh, please don't make me vomit. No, it's, it's true. It's true. So, thanks, Alan, but no, it's Tara Flynn. Hi, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. You did our Christmas episode two years ago, yeah, but only a little bit. Fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. So we're going to have that much fun today. Oh. <laughs> Christmas type fun amazing yeah. brilliant so you're going to talk to us about ABBA I am yeah. so let's go back to the beginning tell us well, when I you sh- got into ABBA I should state right off the bat like I'm not the kind of ABBA fan that um, I can't give you dates and uh, places and uh, we'll forget song names I might have mm-hmm. to sing bits of them for you mm-hmm. I'm the kind of ABBA fan that has them in my soul mm-hmm. um, uh, it's got to be rock and roll that fills the hole in your soul <laughs> <laughs> Abba quote. Um, so basically what happened was I grew up in, I grew up just outside Kinsale in the 1970s. I was born in 1969. That's how old I am. No guessing. I'm going to put it out <laughs> out there straight away. So Abba were kind of everywhere. By the time I was five, they won the Eurovision in the year 1974 with Waterloo. I would have been about five. And so I was very aware of them because, as you know, in Ireland, especially in one channel land at the time where we only had RTE. It wasn't even called RTE one. It was just RTE wow. or the telly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Eurovision was a big, big event and everybody mm-hmm. gathered around the big old square tellies and, uh, you know, got warmth off them as well mm-hmm. and um, and watched the Eurovision. And so ABBA won. And I just thought they were the most glamorous things I'd ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And so then very quickly, because they had a little bit of a back catalogue at that stage, there were loads mm-hmm. of their songs on the radio mm-hmm. and they were just such perfect pop, mm-hmm. um, which really appealed to me when I was little, because it was, I suppose, quite unchallenging in one way. As I got a bit older and I started listening to the lyrics, even before the divorcey stuff that everyone talks about with Winner mm-hmm. Takes It All at the at the end of their careers, their ABBA careers, um, there was a lot of darkness and there was a lot of challenging mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they were very, very, very cruel to me. God, so you might say. Were they like an aberration in 1974? Or aberration. Were they... <laughs> oh, I love what you <laughs> did there. Very good. Subconscious. Or were they like part of the landscape? They were sort of part of the landscape, but there was always something a bit extra. And I think that's why musicologists still talk about them. Mm. There was always something that they were very versed in all kinds of other music. Folk, they came from different backgrounds. Folk, jazz. Um, this, the the girls were classically trained, I believe. Um, and there was a lot of classical music influence as well. So you mm. can, you know, they, they're not afraid of a lush string, not yeah. afraid of an arpeggio. <laughs> um, so uh, I think there was always something a little bit extra and then once the production really got going once those those layers those walls of sound started to come in mm-hmm. 
you really can't top the fact that it was two, you know, two singers, basically, mm. two proper singers. The boys would sing occasionally, but the girls were the singers. Um, making that, that that whole sound is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And I, I just might cry. <laughs> no, they were, it was really, be- it's a beautiful sound. Uh, it's very, very clean and some people hate that. But I look at the cleanliness as kind of a technical miracle. Because a lot of it is double tracked and triple tracked. So they just would go back and sing the same vocal again. And it's almost a perfect match mm. pre auto tune. That's like, how? How is that even <laughs> possible? So, yeah. yeah, it is like kind of magical, really. Their their harmonies are perfect. They are perfect. And as you say, this is day pre auto tune before you could do quite as much to alter a vocal as you can. Now. Absolutely. And they were- and- Perfect. And I would always sing along and people say to me, because I've done backing vocals in my day, um, people say to me, God, you, you, you harmonise quite naturally. You've got a natural ear for harmonies. And I just go, that is just years of singing ABBA in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Years of it. Years. Yeah. I guess because those um, arrangements are so, there's a lot of complexity in them mm-hmm. for a, like a 70s pop song, especially. Yeah. That even if you were to do it now, you'd be like, there's so much effort and composition going into this. But to actually do it with... I guess maybe 16 tracks. Yeah, maybe because I mean, they would have, they would have had fully, you know, big yeah. technologically up to date re- recording studios. People were recording tape. on four yeah. at the time yeah. and just bouncing down. So that was there would still have been an element of bouncing mm. down and, you know, getting them to from, you know, down to to, to, to create more usable tracks because mm. you only had a set number of tracks for anyone who's, who doesn't know what all that's about. And it would have been on tape, basically, mm. which is mad. So that adding that level in, no wonder they had to have their own island. Uh, where they'd they? go and record, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had their own island. That's I think cool. Off Stockholm somewhere. Yeah. Um, so were they like a, a radio thing for you or did you actually own the albums? Oh, by the time I had pocket money or knew what to ask Santa for, they became, mm. they were they were the presents I would ask for. Yeah. And then as I got a bit older and I was maybe doing a bit of babysitting or, uh, you know, I'd I'd wash the car and, you know, beg for 50p for it or whatever mm. um, and save up and then we'd go up to Cork on the bus and bring home our golden discs bags on the bus <laughs> uh, with the album in it and try not to tr- hope it didn't get bashed about on, mm. on the bus down. One of my biggest ABBA memories was <clears throat> we did a house swap with friends that dad knew from work in Dublin. So we came up to Dublin for a week. It was the most glamorous holiday of, of wow. my entire life to, to <laughs> up to that point. It was incredible because not only was ABBA the movie out that year, couldn't even tell you what year that was. So that was about eight, I'd say. Maybe 1977. Mm-hmm. I can tell you why I think it's 1977. And this ties in with a movie. Can you think of the movie? <laughs> um, so Abba the movie was yeah. out, but also um, they, they they had a boy in the family. Um, so they went to our house outside Kinsale. We went up to their house uh, outside Dunleary and they had a lightsaber. Oh. They had a toy lightsaber, oh and I was Star Wars. I still yeah. hadn't seen Star Wars. Still hadn't but seen it. But already obsessed. But already obsessed with the whole idea of it. <laughs> wow. And I'd seen Mark Hamill on the Late Late Show, and and things like that. Been allowed to stay up for that. Um, and uh, there was a lightsaber. So mm-hmm. we went to see Abbott the movie that week. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> and a whole hour and a half of Abba or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and we had the lightsaber to to mess about with. <laughs> well. Hit, hit flakes off each other myself and my sister just hit each other flakes with the lightsaber I think we probably broke the, the lightsaber I, I wonder why we fell we fell out with that fa- we didn't fall out with that family. we just we did, you know didn't know them very well after mm-hmm. that but it was uh, yeah I don't, I don't think it was lightsaber related but so that was one of my biggest the worst ABBA thing that happened was I brought my albums with me mm-hmm. and I put them on the back window of the car Ooh. they warped in the sun mm-hmm. 
<gasps> they warped in the sun. I still tried to play them. I I remember <laughs> I remember um, asking mum if she could help me straighten them out. She's going, they won't like they won't work. Yeah. They, there's nothing to do. They're do- They're gone. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, we have to try. And my poor mother getting out the ironing board oh, <laughs> and a tea towel <laughs> and trying to iron the records back, <laughs> back into shape. And, it, you know, you couldn't just go and buy um, another one. Like it was a big course. deal to mm. buy an album. So you couldn't just go and buy another one. So trying to salvage the album and just it, heartbroken as I saw the fibres of the tea towel going into the vinyl. Oh. <laughs> so you could see that. You could. Yeah. So yeah. they looked beautiful. <laughs> they were straighter, but they were never to be played again. Oh. So what happened in Abba the Movie? Abba the Movie, it was basically the coverage of one of their tours in which they went to Australia. And the story, it's mostly concert footage, but then there's the story of this uh, intrepid Aussie journalist trying to get, trying to get to talk to them. (laughs) He keeps missing them. Oh no! (laughs) He keeps not getting to talk to them. Mm. And, uh, and then there's a twist at the end. I don't want to give it away. Don't spoil it for the (laughs) listeners. (laughs) But Abba are involved. (laughs) That was kind of a common thing, I think, in the 70s and 80s that you would combine kind of concert footage with a very loose narrative. Like yeah. Michael mm. Jackson had Moonwalker as oh, well. Yeah. It's kind of mm. the same thing. I think that was even yeah. more of a, a movie movie. Yeah, this really was them at the airport. <laughs> you know. And, yep. and in a hotel mm. and then on stage just concert mm. footage. So, yeah, I suppose there was the thing of you couldn't just put out a concert movie which yeah. most fans would have been delighted with because, mm. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't really go you couldn't go to Australia to see them. That would just be, no one would have been able to do that. No one I would have known. So, uh, you know, having the movie, people would have watched that. I say people, I would have watched that. (laughs) Um, But it's, uh, yeah, it's um, something they did do is try and give you a bit more bang for your buck, Mm -hmm. I think, with a little story. So, do you have like a favourite type of ABBA, like Sad ABBA or Cynthia ABBA or I do prefer Super Pop? I do prefer Sad ABBA, but yeah. I like when the darkness comes through a seemingly poppy tune. Mm. Uh, there's a, there's one called That's Me, and I think it was probably on Arrival. Um, see, I'm just so bad on facts and and clumping albums together because I now, especially with with uh, MP3s, not to give any brands away, uh, <laughs> it's it's great to be able to just move them around, shuffle them mm-hmm. around, and and listen to different eras at different times, but like that's a real it sounds like you know it, it sounds like it's quite a poppy poppy pop song mm. but it's actually a woman saying I don't want to be tied down uh, yeah I'm I'm not the kind of girl you'd marry I'm Carrie not the kind of girl you'd marry that's me and initially you think with you know grown up ears retrospectively you think oh Carrie not the kind of girl you'd marry are they judging her and then it's like she's just going no I don't believe in fairy tales and I'm not ever going to be a man's toy so if you want to hang out cool if you don't fine but what she's saying fine. is I don't think I want to get married. Mm. They just went for the easy rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing as English is a second language, I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who wrote the lyrics now? Was it the it lads was, or was it? I think it was a mixture of the lads. But I think they also had uh, lyric doctors, especially for, oh, okay. um, I think for the Euro, the very first Eurovision one. Oh, I think Neil Sadaka doctored Ring Ring, which was one of their first international oh, hits. Um, I was sitting by the phone. I was waiting all alone. I mean, still, you know, it's quite, it's tight <laughs> as rhymes go. It's, it's tight. It's not spreading its wings so much. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do love sad ABBA, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's a bit too sad because it gets quite raw, especially after all the divorces for people mm-hmm. who don't know. And I know because I was in the ABBA fan club. So um, and in, in the late 70s, that meant you got a big envelope 
Oh, nice. Four times a year. Yeah, every yeah. three months got a big envelope <laughs> with stuff in it. <laughs> a badge, a signed photo. And I believed that they signed them themselves. Oh, so yeah, of course. Totally believed. Yeah. No photocopying. It was it was mm-hmm. signed by them. They had touched it. Um, and little bulletins, like how I learned that um, that um, the divorces were happening was through the fan club, you know, the break, breaking, breaking news. Special edition. A little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little, some poor minion had to type it out and. You can see the tears on, on the bit tears, of paper. Tears, yeah. a, a little bit of, you know, a little puddle of disaster. Um, yeah. And, and that was, that was just the best thing ever was being in that fan club and feeling like a direct link with them. You know, mm. kind of walking around by myself going, this is something people don't know about me, but I kind of know Abba. Mm-hmm. I kind of know him. <laughs> they write to and me. They write to me. They write to me and they tell me, you know, what their new songs are going to be before before they're even released. Um, it's very, very exciting. I, I couldn't possibly tell you <laughs> what they are. But um, yeah, I, I loved it. We had a little red record player, my sister and myself up in our room. We were very lucky. What happened was it used to be downstairs. And then at one stage, mum and dad got a three in one, <laughs> which was record, radio and tape. Unit. Nice. So I mean, high, you know, high promotion mm-hmm. down in the down the, the kitchen yeah. living area, uh, but we got the demoted old record player, but we loved it. So um, yeah, played singles and played albums, and we were delighted with life, and we'd often mm-hmm. sing it, just sing along, sing away. <laughs> so that was uh, yeah. Is your sister a singer as well? She she can sing. She doesn't think she can sing. Okay. She she really can sing, mm-hmm. and uh, she but she doesn't she doesn't. It's a crime, I tell you. Because <laughs> you're like, you sing mm. professionally and stuff. I have, you have sung, yeah. <laughs> Is Abba like what started you singing, do you think? Or? Uh, yeah, Abba and, and the Carpenters, I guess. Okay. I um. used to love uh, Karen Carpenter's voice. Absolutely. I think we talked about that on, on the Christmas, yeah. Christmas one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, those were, that was a great combo because the thing is with Abba, there's just no way you can really hit those notes unless you are one of those mm. amazing mm. singers and you can't sing like Karen Carpenter either her voice her vocal tone is so distinctive but she she sings lower a lot lower mm. so that was slightly more achievable in terms mm. of a sing-along mm. um, so <laughs> yeah so it was very very high goals though yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons I didn't end up being a professional singer I was going well it's all over like it's all been done they're amazing that's it yeah I think when you aim that high because I remember when I was in school I was a baritone in the choir and then I had to uh, the choir I'm in now I had to be a tender because there was just no men mm-hmm. and you just force yourself to sing these things you're not quite able for yeah. and eventually your voice it cracks it yeah. gets better and gets better and yeah. gets better yeah. it so. does well it it, it it cracks initially and then yeah. you if you can train it if it's if you have it in your range if you mm. don't have it in your range you might gain a note or two um, I don't you know you have to respect the natural chords as well mm-hmm. and not Frighten people with, <laughs> with trying to push too far outside. Yeah, you're like, if I shout really loudly, I can reach. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, E above, I see. Yeah. No. Speaking of people singing outside their natural range, what do you think of Mamma Mia? <laughs> oh dear, beautiful segue. Yeah. Alan. Yeah. That's a great segue, and it's I watched also, Chris Brosnan's clip yesterday. Oh, I, I auditioned yeah. for Mamma Mia when it, at one of the touring versions oh, yeah. in um, in Britain, and I got two callbacks. Mm. Um, but it was the range. The range let me down because really? it's like, yeah, mm. you, the thing. With um, with musicals, with big, full-on, properly produced the the head honchos musicals, you have to sing in the original keys mm-hmm. uh, that the the musical's written in. Like if you become a huge star and they want you to be in it, they might change the key to suit you. Mm-hmm. But so 
I did great when I was just singing away in those songs I brought in mm. and in the keys that I was happy with. And then it was like, no, not a hope. <laughs> you knew this, Tara. Why did you even try? Why did you raise your hopes? Um, I have a problem. Here's a big admission. <laughs> I would ne- definitely not have got the gig. It, it wouldn't have even got a call back if I said this. I don't like anyone who's not ABBA doing ABBA songs. Mm. I have a problem with it. Yeah, because mm. it is it is such a package. For me, it's tied up in the time. Mm-hmm. It's tied up in the production. It's tied up in the, the things that they were going through that only I knew because mm-hmm. it, I was in the fan club. <laughs> um, that it's tied up with all of that. And mm-hmm. so it just sounds wrong. It mm. just sounds wrong when people cover them. That's not saying they're not incredible songs. They are. And my other, this is why I'm I'm a total contradiction. I think once a song is a great song, anyone should be able to sing it. Mm-hmm. Anyone should be able to interpret it in some way. But I put my foot down with ABBA. Yeah. So Mamma Mia, I, yeah, it was, it was a little bit frightening for me. Mm-hmm. I made myself go and see the movie. I made myself yeah. go and see mm-hmm. it. And of course, you know, Meryl handles herself really well and it's very joyous. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of sort of why not about mm. it. But then I also go, why? And, <laughs> and when it gets to Pierce Brosnan, it's definitely why. He has so many other strengths. Yeah. Because like, I love him, but it's definitely him singing that is how I would be singing in that. Yeah. You know, right. and, and I'm not in Mamma Mia. So that's why. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I know. It's a, it, it was a little bit of um you know, of all jukebox musicals, like what a mine, you know, mine of songs they mm. had to go mm. back to. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be my top movie. Mm. And I don't judge people who love it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the stage show? No, I yeah. haven't, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, no. So I was, you know, that close. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're like, I need some distance from this. Maybe some distance for from it now. Yeah, it's yeah. very difficult when you've had when you've mm. had a rejection like that. You know, <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. Partly mm. because musicals are so expensive. I lived in London right. for five years, mm. and part of your job as an actor is to go and see everything you can possibly mm. see. Mm. But the West End is practically unaffordable mm. for yeah. actors, and so the odd time if someone was in something, I'd get I'd get a comp or or a house seat. House seats are great because it's like you pay a certain amount, but it's not the top dollar. It'll be mm. like they'll be sure. released on the day and they'll be released to the cast or whatever. Mm. Um, so house seats were great, but uh, I you couldn't afford to go and see one of the big musicals, mm. and mm. I would have loved to. Yeah. And it is a very weird thing when you're you're living. I was living in Muswell Hill, so like five miles from town, and you know straight in on the 134 bus mm. but it was just like unobtainable at the time no. you know so that's something I would have loved to have done more when mm. I was there you kind of yeah. feel like a bit of a fraud being an actor living in London and going mm. I can't go to the theatre <laughs> but many people can't Yeah, mm. it's like Charlie Bucket walking by the chocolate factory every <laughs> yes. day <laughs> yes. it's like there's nothing you love more exactly. in the world Please, I, like can't, that. I can't afford this uh, I've got a discount ticket <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Roji and I can't believe my luck. <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah, it was a bit of a shame, but um, yeah, that, that's my that's my Mamma Mia story. So what's the process like for auditioning for musicals? Is it like singing first above all else? Yeah, it's yeah. singing first above all else because you can't really go anywhere without mm. that. But then there will be acting auditions. Mm often with other people that so the singing round will be first and you have to bring you bring in sheet music and the um the accompaniment be an accompanist there usually so that usually piano they'll play what you bring in and they just start and you you start to and mm. you sing away and then they go great quick chat then they'll be around two and round two mm. will usually be songs from the show 
mm-hmm. and a bit of acting. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably audition you for the singing on your own and then bring you back in in a group of three or something mm-hmm. and do a little scene from the show. Or you might mm-hmm. just read with the producer or the director or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what happens if you get to the next round is usually there'll be a choreography day okay. and you'll learn numbers from the show and show how quickly or not <laughs> <laughs> that would be me you pick up <laughs> choreography yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah so there'll usually be a number from the show mm. and then uh, and it's down to the last few yeah and then you wait for the call mm. and then you go on tour <laughs> <laughs> or into the into the West End or wherever mm. it is yeah because no, I have seen the the stage show the Mamma Mia stage show and it's it is a very different beast to the movie because everybody can sing and everybody can <laughs> dance and everybody yeah. is very talented and up on that well you look at Mamma Mia and it's, well, this is Meryl Streep and a load of her friends mm. kind of getting together to make a movie on a beautiful island and they're I mean, going to try and sing ABBA songs. Yeah, who'd turn it down in Exactly. Fairness. It's a dream but job. It's a yeah. dream job. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. When mm. people go, and again, because the ticket prices are so dear, mm. like musicals, they are a different tribe musical theatre people. Mm-hmm. They are such incredibly hard workers. Mm-hmm. Um they they just they live and breathe the the voice and the role and they have the most incredible makeup boxes like yeah. some actors have makeup boxes and in the olden days loads of people would have but now they they just but musical theater gang they have the false eyelashes mm-hmm. and they have the you know all the stuff that can be read from the apps from the gods from the, mm-hmm. to yes. the top of the theater mm-hmm. um they know how to do their own makeup and they they're just they're they're like that old um that old school version of what troopers were. That's mm. musical theatre people. They're they, super troopers. They are super troopers. <laughs> and they um, they are fi- usually physically very, very fit. They can, they can sing, they can dance, they can do everything. Mm-hmm. They've got just so much energy. Um, it's And it's fiercely competitive. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. I've done a couple of musicals and um, not in a West End kind of level, but where I got to luckily, very luckily got to work with some people who would be in those. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in awe of them, but they there is a sort of... Um, it's so competitive. It, can, it must be really unnerving. I'd mm. say the only thing you could almost compare it to, I suppose, opera singers, where there, there are so few roles... And you have to be high, very highly trained to do them. Mm-hmm. And so, holy crap. It's, yeah. uh, it's like, get, you know, push that person down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> this is my role. It's my time to shine. My only real experience of that is watching Over the Rainbow on BBC. Oh, where, yeah. where they were trying to find oh, a new yeah. um, Dorothy for Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. And there was someone in that who from Waterford. And she came like 11th. Wow. Oh. But she was in Let the Right One In. Oh, so I am like, she's incredible. Mm. And she got that far in, in this musical competition. Wow. But like, you see the way she moves in that play and stuff. Like, this is an unbelievably mm-hmm. talented person, but even to be just Dorothy. Katie, is it Katie? Yeah. Katie Honan. Katie Honan, yeah. yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. The way she moves, mm. she's just, oh, I, I, I just hope huge things are ahead for her. She's incredible. She's brilliant in that the right one is. The first time I had seen her, mm. but um, yeah, she's brilliant. So she sings as well. Yeah. I, I hope she doesn't I hope nothing happens to her on the stairs <laughs> because I can see her being singled out as a sort of you know the triple threat the actual literal yeah. triple threat that she can do it all one of these ABBA standard people yeah yes. Like, yes. Yes. yeah she's ABBA standard she's ABBA standard she's gold but is she ABBA gold Go back to the cover versions thing it, it, you don't really hear of ABBA cover versions actually now do you mention it rightly so besides no. Westlife 
and they've <laughs> kind of because I was listening to Have a Goal the other day and we got to I Have a Dream and I was like oh yeah. this is the Westlife <laughs> they kind of retroactively kind of affected it yeah so. I, th- I think so and also I, I ruined I Have a Dream for myself because I I tried to sell it to the nuns as uh, so that I could listen to Abba at school mm. I tried to sell it to the nuns as a holy song <laughs> I, okay. in, I, I believe in angels something good mm. and everything I see. so I brought I brought uh, I brought it into school I think on tape so the quality must have been top notch Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, got the nuns to play it they did play it in fairness to them but then as as my faith and I diverged that memory has meant that that song and that song just creeps me out now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's too goody goody and there's none of that little bit of Abba wit or a little bit of of, a little bit of dig I love all Mm -hmm. their stuff about you know, marital mundanity. There's mm. loads of that. Mm. There's loads of breakfast table fights. There's loads of oh, you know, was, you know, when all is said and done, is like yeah, well, it was it was grand. Yeah. It was it was it was fun, but it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. And there was there's there's quite a lot of of wit. Voulez vous is about you know, hey, want want to want to shag? Yeah. Um, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's I have a dream is missing all of that. But I think it was written for UNICEF, so oh, we have really? to give them okay. a break. Yeah. yeah, I think it was written to raise funds. Yeah, so, they're never like the happiest ones tend to be quite dark. Like we did Super Trooper in choir last year. Oh, you and did. I'd never realised because I always just thought of it as the Supapa Troopapa song. <laughs> but it's about being lonely on tour and yeah. waiting for someone to come see you that yeah. you like. Yeah. It's nice and sad and lovely. Yeah, and how can anyone mm-hmm. be so lonely? Yeah. Is, is a line from but it. But yeah. everybody thinks Supapa. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. People focus on the sort of the the, the lush strings and the, the, the beautiful backing vocals and they're all there to be had. But there's always something. There are quite a few about, you know, Women, women on their own, mm. um, women on their own. I was saying, give me, give me, give me a man after midnight, or uh, the day before you came. Mm-hmm. You know, talk just talking about going to work mm-hmm. on the train, reading the newspaper, mm. coming home. I mean, I, you know, it was just it was an aspect of life that wasn't discussed in Ireland much at the time. A mm. woman sure. living by herself, mm. unmarried, and not really sort of looking to be married mm-hmm. like, wasn't a goal no, it ends up because it's the day before you came yeah. somebody arrives and mm-hmm. so I suppose it does conform in that way but I was kind of going oh she lives by herself oh mm-hmm. she goes into work comes home gets Chinese food gets Chinese food and goes to bed watching Dallas I wouldn't mind that <laughs> that sounds okay <laughs> and rattling on the roof I must have heard the sound of rain yeah but you got a roof it sounds great <laughs> this single thing doesn't sound too bad at all and yeah. you know considering it was written by men but sung mm. by women it's really kind of interesting when you look at that dynamic and mm. that was that was early 80s do you find that like especially the post-divorce ones where they're Trauma. being written by men and then being sung by their ex-wives because <laughs> it's a Fleetwood Mac syndrome oh yeah, yeah. yeah oh horrendous can you imagine I don't it's, know how they did it no and if you listen to that last note in, in of the winner takes it all in that context if you listen to that if that doesn't give you chills yes you know, and and slight sort of, wow, how could you do that to her? <laughs> we forgive you now, but Jesus Christ, you're yeah. cold. Um, but you, but then you go, okay, this is his pain, mm-hmm. but he's you know filtering it through a character that's now being played by her, and it is, it's really fucked up. Mm. But it is, the pain is audible, the pain mm. is tangible, and that is like for some, you know, for a band that people often uh, dismiss as as too too cleaned up and too 
that's raw. Mm. And you just go, oh my God, brutal. <laughs> Wouldn't have liked to be in the studio. Because <laughs> if they produce it as well, and I'm sure they had a hand in production, if not produce the whole thing. It's like, like that particular song, you know, it's like, I would just say, you know, turn your back. Don't be looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me give me the hankies. Like from the booth going, remember that time that I said that the dishes weren't clean enough? Just kind of Shut think up. of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, so that's... Um, that's definitely that's that's a yeah that's a dark one. But everybody yes. kind of knows about that. I'm I'm mm. always interested in the ones that didn't become breakouts or that play with weird time signatures and um mm. or, or just just a little bit mad. They're, so they're, what's your yeah. like secret ABBA best of? My secret ABBA best of well, um that's me mm-hmm. Carrie the Carrie one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see what else. Oh um. My Mama Said, which has an incredible yes. bass line. Yeah, that's a great one. I absolutely love mm-hmm. that one. It's just about a teenager basically saying, you know, I want to hang out and live live my yeah. life. Um, I was always surprised it wasn't in Mamma Mia because it seems like a perfect song. It is the like, slammy oh, door. Is, yeah. It's the slammy door to your bedroom song. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. And then later on, I guess, let's see, Secret Abba. Uh, there are things like soldiers, which are just pure dark and mm. are just, I think, pre-chess. You can see them mm. playing with stuff that we're going to use in chess. Mm. Um, lots of great bass lines and, and lots of, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely one to go and listen to. Um, and then I love the ones that are, are, are slightly underappreciated, like the name of the game, mm. because it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's that thing of like, you know, what are we doing? Mm. What are we actually doing? But it's got that real sort of laid back. Um, it's not needy, but it is mm-hmm. saying, OK, mm-hmm. what's happening here? Mm-hmm. There's something kind of languorous about that beat. Yeah. Like it's quite slow. It, is it takes slow. a while to kind of so get into like, it. You know, yeah. I've seen you twice in a short time, only a week since we've started. Mm-hmm. But basically, are we going to the movies next week or <laughs> not? Yeah. I want to know whether I should <laughs> keep my options open mm-hmm. Or not. So I, I love things like that. Slightly under underappreciated ones. I like everyone else. I get sick of things like um, like uh, like Dancing Queen, which, you know, mm. great and fantastic, but almost overplayed. Yeah. And so has very few secrets to yield up anymore. So, yeah, the only co- the cover I've ever done. So here's my secret confession is is Mamma Mia is Mamma Mia. I do that with them, um, with um, some of the lads. um in the comedy festivals we'll do that sometimes with Christian Christian Riley and, and with Damien and yeah it's just uh, it's great fun to do but I always feel slightly dirty because I know <laughs> I'm not doing it justice so one song I came back to this week which I hadn't I kind of dismissed it as a silly song and it's purely because of Alan Partridge there's no me knowing you yeah. but there's so much good on that song yeah. it's an incredible song Yeah, mm. but it's the aha song now which is how did you feel when that happened when it came out I listen yeah. I love Alan Partridge so yeah. you can do it it's like wow Kate Bush also <laughs> ruined <laughs> but, but one of the best things ever unbelievable um, yeah no it's it's brilliant Partridge can do no wrong really um, but it's it's uh, yeah that's a great that is a great song mm. that is a fantastic song and again there's there's the darkness for you and you see this this really weird you know this really weird I always see this really weird sort of house that she's walking through an empty house tears in my eyes it's like why is it empty did he go did he take all the furniture did you sell the furniture what's the backstory but there's Mm. it's sort of dripping with backstory Mm. dripping's a bad image but (laughs) But even like the guitar chords in the the ching ching in the chorus they sound like like gates 
shutting, <gasps> closed. Look at you. Yeah, there's always a story. Yeah. Mm. And that's something that the Europeans do very well. And I, I did a, a show of songs because, um, you know, I started in comedy in, with musical comedy with the, the Newless. So mm. that's that was my intro into the comedy world in 1995. So a million years ago. But um then I I was too afraid after that to break out on my own and do my own songs. But um, and then especially after I shared a venue. um, So myself and David O'Doherty and a couple of other people, we shared a venue in Edinburgh in 2002 with Flight of the Concords. So Mm. we went to see them every night. And then I just went, I'm never doing musical comedy. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I'm shredding the notebooks. And Mm. but a few years later, I did get them out and go, I can't waste these. I've got to write songs again. I've got to Mm. do them. So I did them. Nobody saw it. I put them up on SoundCloud for a while. Very few people listened which kind of suited me I had done it I will it's nearly 10 years since I did that so I will have to get the, the newer notebooks out and mm-hmm. I will have to bring the songs to fruition again but one of the things I listen to a lot when I'm writing or you know pulling the notebooks out and try, uh, trying to work the songs up is story songs so it'll often be mm. European tradition stuff mm. it'll be uh, things like Brecht and Vile it'll be things like um, where they have you know characters in the songs mm-hmm. so it'll be things like um Jack Brel or it'll be uh, Charles Aznavour who sings in English and in French again loads of wit and loads of stories full stories mm. and ABBA do that a bit as well they have that tradition of they are unashamedly doesn't have to be chorus hook you know verse it can be a little story mm. um, and uh, like there's the, the the story about they call it a mini musical or a mini on ABBA the album which went with the movie, which went with the, mm-hmm. the film. And uh, there's a little suite of songs that are just a little a little story that all mm. the narrative that links. And so they, I think they fit in that tradition too. And unashamedly so. It's like they'll just go, here's a story about a, a, a man and a woman who are having a fight over breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something you don't hear as often in Anglophone countries, mm-hmm. you know, so um, it's a tradition. I listened to a lot when I was um, writing myself and tried to be unafraid to do a little story if a story cropped up. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and sure nobody heard it, so who cares? <laughs> I've heard your album. And I, I love it. Yeah. Ah, you're very kind. Um, so you know when you're writing comedy songs, so I used to write comedy songs as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I, I didn't stick with it long enough to actually get good at it. They're kind of they're all just like actual juvenilia, like literal literal juvenilia. Oh, that's cool. But, um, I love that. So that's... when you were doing it, did you find how did you start with that? Like, did you like had just put something pop into your head, or would yeah. you have a bit of music first? Or it, what? It, it, it could be music first. It could mm. be, and I just stick that down on on my phone or before phones uh, onto you know some some recording device yeah. of some kind. Um, or I would just I just I just had notebook after notebook where I would just jot down lines and and sometimes I'd free write like the fog from the film The Fog. Mm. I started to write a really po faced poem. I, I set out to write it because I was I had writer's block mm. and I set out to write a really po faced poem about Kinsale, where I'm from, about sitting in a particular pub and the and the mist mm. to, to quote Paul McCartney, mist rolling in off the sea <laughs> and it became the fog from the film The Fog where mm. I went God fog fog I said The Fog oh yeah Carpenter's The Fog mm. God you know actually there are so many films at the moment because this would have been 08, 09 yeah. and this wasn't in the notebooks this was just trying to get rid of writer's block mm-hmm. and I went there's so many films at the moment where you know where we're hearing how you know actually the, that vampire is really misunderstood yeah. or if you knew this werewolf you'd know he has <laughs> other motives and I thought nobody ever does that for The Fog <laughs> 
And then I went, oh. <laughs> so I decided to take the perspective of the fog being misunderstood. But I was someone who, so it's a story song mm-hmm. and it's about knowing the fog. I made a video for it, so that's still on YouTube. The mm. fog from the film, mm. The Fog. Uh, that's how that song was born. And it's about, hey, why can't we, you know, we, if we're going to try and understand vampires and werewolves, we should try and understand the mist, the fog, the thing as well. And I think that's, uh, I think those are words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand everybody. Yeah. 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 So if you mm. have to choose like a Ooh. top, we'll give, you, we'll give you top five. Top five. Yeah. Ooh. Well, can I? I have to look through this because I don't want to forget anything. Yeah. So I've got my I've got my trusty MP3 player non-branded uh, here. Mm. And um, hmm, top, I think um, day before you came, okay. definitely. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think. Okay, I'll try and think. It's better if I just think off the top of my head. So uh, the day before you came. Um, Mamma Mia is a great song mm-hmm. itself. Um, Carrie, that's mm-hmm. so that's called That's Me. Um, top five are going. Uh, I Am The City is a really weird song that I've only been listening to a bit recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put that on there because, again, it has secrets to, to throw up. And would you have considered that at all back in the day? Not really. Just strange, no, I don't think their hearts were really in it but because it was the end. It was the very end. Mm-hmm. I think they, they were splitting up when... That was recorded, but it's just, um, it's just got a real, again, it builds a whole city. It builds mm-hmm. a whole city and the, the harmonies are great. Um, the winner takes it all. It has to be on there. It has to be on there. Um, I, can't, I can't really stop at five. That's <laughs> Anyone's where the baseline is strong. So my mom said, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and knowing me, knowing you, of course. Mm-hmm. And so I've already gone to seven probably yeah. now. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think, I, I, I think, the back catalogue's worth going through. The, the gold albums are brilliant and those singles are very memorable. But it is worth going back and having listened to things that were only B-sides or that's rare enough, I suppose. But yeah, things like Ring Ring, perfect mm-hmm. little pop songs, perfect mm-hmm. three minute pop songs. And they're still quite catchy. You know, a lot of stuff in the 70s, you know, a lot of people think the 70s is this kind of golden era and it was. Mm-hmm. And there were the, the big bands of the time and they've survived. Mm-hmm. But a load of stuff didn't survive. There was a load of trash. Mm. It was, oh my God, a load of, you know, folky drivel, um, <laughs> which I think probably might have been one of the names of one of the Flight of the Concords folk parody <laughs> <laughs> groups in New Zealand. But you no, know, folk drivel, a lot of that stuff, a lot of panpipes and it didn't survive. ABBA have survived. Mm. And that's a feat, you know, because they fell out of favour. You know, yeah. they were deeply uncool. I mean, mm. I wouldn't have admitted once I got hit secondary school, I wouldn't have admitted that I liked mm. ABBA and mm. still liked ABBA at the time. Mm. And the, the albums weren't selling very well, but I was buying them. Mm. I was mm. buying them. And it sort of speaks to the Alan Partridge character as well, that he is obsessed with ABBA, that he loves them. And they were seen at that stage as maybe being a little bit dated very and uncool. a bit naff. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and they're still a bit naff in their own way. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, that's OK. Mm-hmm. Naff is underrated. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with naff. God, <laughs> embrace it. There's always a secret to be found. Oh, mm-hmm. if you peel back anything naff, someone went into it with heart and started it. And have a little have a little, little look under that naff veneer. There might be something cool under mm-hmm. there. I remember when I started buying music magazines when I was about 13 or 14, um, which would 
I think maybe ABBA was just starting to be reappreciated then. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But they had an, art- an article about like mid twenties breakdowns and how to spot them. And they had like in the sidebar it was like albums to soundtrack your mid twenties breakdown. And the visitors by ABBA was one of them. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't know ABBA had sad oh. songs at all. Oh, then. it's it's full of sad songs. Yeah. And that soldiers song is on that. Mm-hmm. Soldiers write the songs that soldiers sing. The songs that you and I don't sing. Let's not look the other way. Taking a chance. But if the bugler starts to play, we too must dance. <gasps> What? <laughs> and then a song called The wow. Visitors with uh, the 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 album title, but it's about you know it's it's about a nervous breakdown really. That's mm. how I interpret mm-hmm. it, and it's about I've been waiting for these visitors. I'm cracking up, mm. you know. Mm. I can hear these muffled voices, and you're like, what? What happened? Is that really? Is who's who's speaking there? Is it Frida? <laughs> is Frida okay? What's going on? <laughs> Benny, did you write that? Are you making a comment on her mental state? What's going on? What's happening here? But it is it is a really dark album, mm. in Abbott terms, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> no one gets shot. They might in the soldier song ultimately, but mm. yeah, for now it doesn't happen on. It doesn't happen during the yeah. during the album. So, do you have any more thoughts about Abba? Thoughts about Abba? Yeah, yeah I mean, not not really. They're mm. oh, it's all 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 they're all there in the songs. They're there in the songs. Mm. I mm. really recommend people go back and listen to the the sort of late seventies ones with fresh ear and just don't dismiss them as um, as pure. It is pure pop, but what's wrong with pure pop? That's mm. there's something that's almost impossible to write. You try it <laughs> and um, and try and make something that's going to last. 40, nearly 50 years. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, just don't cover them. Just don't cover them. <laughs> and then I will love you forever. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Sarah. Let's do some thugs. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with Stacey. What you got? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be on the Scon On film podcast, which is going to be weekly uh, from February onwards. That's really cool. Uh, so keep an ear out for that. And yeah, I'm also the film editor at state.ie. So uh, you can check my stuff out over there. There we go. Tara, what you got? I Thanks. got, I'm doing lots of writing. So I'm going to yeah. be disappearing for a lot of this year. Mm. But where people can see, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it in a way. But where people can see me is I'm doing my show, Not a Funny Word, which has been co-produced by The Abbey. And this is Pop Baby. And we're going to be doing it in um, the Where We Live Festival as part of the St. Paddy's Day Festival. And uh, it's going to be from the 6th to the 10th in a place called The Complex in Smithfield. So I'd love people to come and see that. And if they want to see it around the country, please do. I mean, I would ask people to contact their local venues because I would love to bring it around the country. I don't have the power to do that. People are <laughs> sort of dropping me direct messages and going, hey, why don't you bring it to you know, Kilkenny? And I'm like... I can't bring it to Kilkenny. <laughs> I'd love to, but I, you know, there's there's a machine now, and and also other people involved. So it, it, the venue would have to approach them. But I am. We are all so open to that happening, though. So uh, so don't don't think that because I go, I I can't doesn't mean it can't happen. <laughs> but just like I'm going, I'm completely powerless. <laughs> I am just a cog in this now, which is great, and that's a brilliant way to to. You know, to have been writing this show for so long in my head and now have it out there, it's brilliant to go, wow, there's other people helping. (laughs) So cool. But so I'm really looking forward to that. But I would love to do it around the country if if people would like to have it. Cool. I'll be writing to my local venues. Yeah. (laughs) So there we go. Um, That's Juvenalia. Second one of 2018. Down and out. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Alan on my Trusty Dicks phone app. 
just want to say a few quick thank yous. Uh, the first is thank Tara Flynn for being an amazing guest. Then I want to thank Stacey Groudon for stepping in as co-host at the very last minute. She did a great job, so thank you, Stacey. That was my dog, Mash, making a guest appearance. He's barking at a storm right now. I'm reading this one, so I'm not going to edit that out. Uh, thank you to the Heads of Podcast Network for hosting us and letting us use their studio and all the various types of support that they provide us. Thank you to Dean McDonald for the artwork. Thank you, Mash, for another bark. And thank you, Abba, for the music. So that's it. We'll see you in two weeks where we'll be talking to Davey Riley about wrestling. Bye, everybody. Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Do you have a feeling Elon Musk is evil, but no solid proof? Are you able to eat carbohydrates in public without causing a scene? Do you think you should be learning how to code, but you're not really sure why? You need a podcast. A podcast is an audio file of between 30 to 40 minutes starring three women. Well, ours is anyway. Join us every Tuesday morning, or whenever you listen to podcasts, as three dumb women try to become smarter by investigating the topics we should really know by now. Search School for Dumb Women on iTunes, Acast, or your podcast vehicle of choice. Because it's a woman's right to choose her podcast.